Wherever you are at today, let's just ask God to open up our hearts today so we can receive what God has for us. Amen. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you. God, that you are with us. God, that you will never leave us. And we thank you, Lord God, that you have gone before us. And today, God, I pray, Holy Spirit, we invite you today. Holy Spirit, speak to us, Lord. Open up our hearts, God. Open up our ears, Lord. And I pray, God, that we will receive the word in faith today, Father. God, I pray, God, that you would remind us and show us, God, that we are called by you, Lord. And God, I pray, Father God, that you would speak to us in a way, Father God, that our lives would be changed, Father. We give you all the glory. If you believe that, say amen. Amen. Let's go. Let's do this. Awesome. Well, listen, uh, the title of this morning's message is We Are God's Workmanship. We are God's Workmanship. We're, we're, in fact, we're going to be in the book of Ephesians today, which I think is pretty cool because that's exactly where they are today. They are in Ephesus. I didn't plan that, but, but the Holy Spirit did. So good stuff. You know, I remember the very first time when I bought my very first DeWalt drill. It was, like, it was about a year ago. <laughs> about a year ago. And listen, I, I've had a drill for a while. Uh, it was actually given to me by my, by my father-in-law. So, a- Abram, thank you. I appreciate that. I, I used it a lot. I promise I did. You know, um, but, you know, there was something different when I got that DeWalt drill, you know. It, it, it just, there's something that when you get it, you just want to do something, you know. When you get a new drill, you get something new, you just want to go and build something. And I, I, I remember um, my, my girls in their closet, their, their top shelf just all of a sudden just, just, just fell apart. And, uh, and it just everything that was on, it came down. And I got excited. So I was like, man, I'm about to build me a new shelf, baby. And I was so excited, man. I was like, I'm going to build the best shelf that I know how to build. I never built one before, but it's going to be the best that I ever seen. It's going to be the best job that I could. And so I went to Lowe's and I bought all the materials that I needed. And then I came home and I realized I forgot some other things. So I went back to Lowe's and got some other things. It was my first time. And, I, and, and so I went back and I began to assemble that thing. And when I got done, man, let me tell you, I was like, oh, that's pretty. Oh, that's good. Man, let me tell you, that thing is still standing. It's still looking good. It is the best shelf I've ever built. It's the only shelf I've ever built. But man, it is good. And listen, you know, there is something about whenever you, whenever you build something and you step back and say, ooh, man, I did that, you know. And I believe that it's the same way with God in our life. God loves to get involved with our life. He loves to work. He wants to, he wants to get involved and, 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 and put his hands and, and, and begin to work in our life. In fact, that's what Philippians chapter 2, verse 13 says. It says, for it is God who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. He, is, he says that God is working in us, and he's giving us both the desire and the ability to do what it is that God has called us to do. Thank God for that. That he is not only working in us, he's given us a call. He's called us, every single one of us. He's given us a plan and a purpose 
But on top of that, he gives us a desire and a joy to do what it is that he's called us to do it, and he's given us the ability. Praise God. I love that. And you know, uh, the Bible tells us that we are his workmanship, that when, that when he works in our life and people look at our life, they say, wow, that is amazing. If you know that God has done something beautiful and amazing in your life, I think that we need to give him just a little bit of praise because if you know where you were before, you'll be thankful for where you are today. Amen? So, with that said, we're going to be in the book of Ephesians today in chapter 2. And uh, Paul, he is writing to the churches in Ephesus. There are multiple churches that he is writing to. And most likely when he wrote this letter, it, it, it was rotated amongst all these churches in Ephesus and maybe in some other cities as well. And um, he is writing from Rome while he was in prison for preaching the gospel. And um, the book of Ephesians really is one of my favorites um, because it's so rich with so much doctrine, rich with, with instruction for what we are to believe as Christians. And as you know, it is so important for us to know what we believe. It's so important because, as, as the Ephesians lays it out, that when we know what we are to believe, then we know how we are to stand. We know what we have to protect. We know what we are to stand firm on. And if we know what we are to stand in, then we also know how to walk that truth out in our life. And that's so important. And Paul, uh, in the book of Ephesians, that is what he's laying out. And uh, in this letter, he's encouraging the, the, the believers on how they ought to mature in their walk with Christ. So I have three beautiful, gorgeous daughters, and uh, uh, Naomi, Maya, and Nora. And Nora, my youngest, she, uh, she's one years old. And I remember whenever we, uh, whenever we picked her up from the hospital, or not picked her up, when she was, when she was birthed in the hospital, and you know, and and I got to hold her for the first time. And you know, it, you know, I remember all of my daughters holding him and remembering how helpless, you know, you know, you know, you know, she was, you know, there's nothing that she could do. You know, I had to feed her. Melinda had to feed her. You know, you know, we had to, you know, we had to change her diaper. You know, we had to, you know, we, you know, you know, we had to do everything for her. And now she's one years old. She went from crawling to walking really fast. And she's walking all over the place, and now she tries to feed herself. And, you know, she's starting to do more things. And eventually she's going to be a child where she's going to be running around the place. She's going to be trying to do everything on her own. But eventually they will grow into adults where they will be expected to be responsible for their own life. They will be expected to take care of themselves and do all the things that they are supposed to do. And that, is this, and that truth is the same for us in our faith in Christ. There is a point when we, come, when we first come to Christ where we need someone to help us along the way, to help feed us, to help us to grow. But there is a point where we, where, where we continue to grow and we, we are expected to be to a point where we know the truth and we know what it is that we are called to believe and we stand in that truth and we walk it out in our own personal life. And it's so important that we see that in our life. And Paul, he encourages us, encourages the, uh, the Ephesian church to do that very thing. So uh, with that said, we're going to jump into 
chapter 2. We're going to begin in verse 1. So let's go ahead and and, and hop in. Ephesians chapter 2, beginning in verse 1. And Paul says this, verse 1, And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked. Wow. You know, that's so interesting that he used these words. He didn't say that we were sick before Christ. He said that we were dead. What that means is that we had no ability before Christ to fix our condition. We were the way we were. No matter what we did before Christ to reach out to him, to draw our clothes, uh, to make ourselves better, we had no ability because we were dead. Verse 2, continuing, he says, Following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience. We were wandering throughout life, lost, just just looking and seeing what the world and what life has to offer. Whatever it had to offer, then we would take that. And, 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 and we do this and do that, but none of it offering anything of life for us. Verse 3, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. We were headed for destruction. And then verse 4, but God. Man, I love those two words. Those two words is the gospel itself. That what was true before is no longer true anymore. There is a new reality because of God. And he continues, but God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, uh, which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. Come on, somebody. It tells us that once we were dead, but because of Christ, God came in and he made us alive, raised us from the dead and made us alive to God. Spiritually, there was a time when we had no ability to get closer to God. We had no ability to even take a step towards him. But then God came into our life and he made us alive, us alive in Christ. Why? Because of the great mercy and love that he has for us. That is just who he is. He loved us and he made us alive. Continuing, he says, by grace you have been saved. Verse 6, and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. It just keeps getting better. Not only did he make us alive, but the Bible says that he took us and he raised us with Christ. And then he seated us in heaven in Christ. In other words, as a believer, we have something to look forward to. That is not just what we have here. What we see is not the end game. That's not the end of the road. But we know that in the future, we know that we will be in heaven one day. We look forward to where we are going one day, that we are promised with the seal of the Holy Spirit in our life that one day we will spend eternity in heaven. Amen? Amen. And he continues, verse 7, so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of the grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. Verse 8, for by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not of your own doing. By grace, that word grace is the word gift, undeserved gift. See, he's saying that salvation is a gift. 
You know, we all have jobs. And when you work a job, you work, you know, for 40 hours or however long you work, at the end of the day, you are not given a gift. You're given a paycheck. Why? Because you worked for it. But it's different. You don't work for a gift. It's given. And salvation is something that can't be worked for. It's simply given by grace, by what Jesus did on the cross. We place our faith in him, and it's by the grace of God that we can be saved. And continuing in verse 9, he says, in verse 9, he says, not as a result of works, so that no man can boast. In heaven, nobody is going to be self-congratulating ourselves. It's going to be all God. It's going to be all Him because of what He did for us. And then we get to verse 10, which is where we're going to spend our time today. He says, For we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Man, oh man, I love it. Verse 10 says that we are His workmanship. So what does that mean? What does workmanship mean? Workmanship is a thing made or the degree of skill which something is made. I like that definition. The degree of skill with which something is made. You know, God, when he, what he is doing in our life, it's something that he did. It's a degree of skill. It's something that only he can do. In fact, workmanship in the Greek, that word is poema, poema. And what that word means, or, or in, that word poema is, in the Greek is where we get the English word poem. That word poem, and, and poem meaning a work of art. And that word poema was used in Greek to describe things like songs and, 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 and poems and paintings and sculptures and any type of work of art. In other words, what Paul is saying is that you and I are God's work of art. You know, the same way a masterpiece speaks to a great artist, a Christian's life points to a great God. In the same way a masterpiece or a painting or a sculpture points to a great artist, the Christian's life points to a great God. It's that we are a masterpiece. We are God's workmanship, a work of art. God reaches into our life and molds us into something beautiful. We are God's workmanship created with purpose. So we're going to talk about three areas that we see God's workmanship in our life. Three areas that we see God's workmanship in our life. And so we're going to start off with number one, in God creating us. We see God's workmanship when he created us. You know, the, you, when God created us, he did it in a special way. When he created you and me, it was different than the rest of creation. Yeah, we are a part of what God created, but it was different. He did something different when he created you and I. Genesis tells us that God created the heavens and the earth, the sea and the land, the sun and the moon, the stars and the galaxies, the birds and the animals and everything else, all with the mention of his word. He said, let there be light, and bam, light came. He spoke to the land to, to separate from the waters, and boom, it happened in its time. He spoke, and then it happened. And then it became. But this is not the way that he created you and I. He did something different. 
Genesis chapter 2, verse 7 tells us that God formed man from the dust of the ground. And he breathed the breath of life into man's nostrils and into our lungs. And the man became a living person. God literally reached down into the earth and he formed us with his own hands. He breathed his life, the life of God, into our soul. And we became alive, a different life than we see in animals. What you, we, God gave us a spirit, and he gave us his spirit. You know, it's, it was something different that he did. And not only that, the Bible tells us that he made us in his image. No other creation can say that they were made in God's image, only you and I. Why? Because you are special to God. We are special to God. And if this is the way that God sees you, then this is the way that we should see ourselves. This is the way that you ought to look at yourself as well. You know, sometimes we can allow life to you know, life, we, we go through things, you know, our past and all these things, culm, you know, culminate. And sometimes we imagine that we are not what God says that we are. But that is wrong thinking because the way that God sees us, he sees us as a child of God. He sees us as the righteousness of God. He sees us made in his image. And so when we look at ourselves, we should look at ourselves and say that we are special to him. We are made in his image. Realize today that you are special to God. Amen? That's point number one. We also see his workmanship in him saving us. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, as I just read, it lays out the beauty of salvation. Verses 1 through 3 talks about the depths in which sin takes us, that we were dead to sin, that we were slaves to sin, and that we were separated from God. Verses 4 through 7 tells us the heights in which Christ has taken us, that he has raised us to life, and that he has seated us in heaven with Christ, and, then, and, and, and that he's made us alive. And then also uh, verses 8 through 9 tells us in which the way that he has saved us. He tells us that, or, 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 or it tells us that it was by grace through faith in a way that no man can boast. It is simply God's salvation. It is his salvation. It is only something that he was able to do and that, he, him, and that, and, and that him alone can do. The Bible tells us that when Adam sinned, it caused a separation between man and God. But at that very moment, God put a plan into place and that, and, and that one day that his son, Jesus Christ, would come and that he would pay the ultimate price. He would pay the debt that we owed back to God by, by, and he would be the last sacrifice ever to be made and that he himself paid that penalty for you and I. Jesus, the son of God, paid that and that, and, uh, excuse me, I lost my place. And through his death, burial, and resurrection, anyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Salvation is God's masterpiece. It's something that only he could do. And it is something that when we look back at what we were before we knew Christ, when we look at us today, we know and we can see what God has done in our life and say, God, thank you 
for what you have done. Listen, I remember who I was before I came to Jesus, man. Boy, I was, I was a lion stealing. Man, maybe I shouldn't tell everything. But, you know, I, man, I, man, before I knew Jesus, man, I was so lost. But I still remember that moment. I still remember that day just like it was yesterday at camp. And the day that I realized that I needed Jesus, I bowed on my knee and I asked Jesus to come into my life. And it was something different that happened because when I got up, I knew I was different. And it was nothing that I did. It was something that he did. He came into my life and he made me brand new. And come on, if you know that you have that same testimony, I think God deserves some praise in this place. Come on. Thank you, Jesus, for what he has done in our life. We are God's masterpiece in salvation. It is something that he did and only he can do. And if you're here today and you are not 100% sure that you are going to heaven, listen, today you can be simply by making Jesus the Lord and Savior of your life. And listen, I want to give you that opportunity later on today. If you were online, wherever you were at, God wants you to be saved today. Amen? We'll give you that opportunity in just a bit. But, in, but, 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 but point number three, we see God's workmanship in him calling us. He created us, he saves us, and then he calls us. You see, when God saves us, I love the fact that God doesn't just start to piece together our old life and try to make it better, try to polish it up, and try to dust off the, you know, the crusty ends of our life and try, to, and try to make something better. No, that's not what he does. The Bible says that he makes us new. He produces something new. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17 says that, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away, and behold, the new has come. We are a new creation. And as a new creation, we are called to do good works. We are like a tool in the hand of a craftsman. And God formed us and he created us on purpose and with a purpose. God created us on purpose and with a purpose. And we are uniquely wired and strategically placed in life by God on purpose in order to do his good work. No, there's a reason why we think the way we think. There's a reason why we're wired the way we're wired. There's a reason why God has placed us where we are at, and it's because he has plans for us. He knew what he was doing when he created you. God knew what he was doing. He knew how he was going to use you, and he knows how he's still going to use you. Why? Because you are called by God. He sanctifies us. For his use. Before we were not sanctified, we were lost, we were dirty, we were marred. He saved us, he raised us, and then on top of that, he sanctifies us for his use. He has called you for his purposes. And all we have to do is say yes. So there's three takeaways that I want us to take away today. Number one is to realize your value in Christ. You and I are special to God. We are valuable because of him. And we should see ourselves the way that Christ sees us. The Bible tells us that you are a masterpiece in the making. It tells us that we are a masterpiece in the making. 
But you know, sometimes when we look at our life, all we can see is our failures. All we can see is our faults. All we can see are the things that are not good enough. But you know what? It's okay. As long as we continue to offer ourselves to God, let, let, me, let, me, let me tell you that God is still working on you. He's still molding you. He is still shaping you. He is still forming us into the image of his son. He is continuing to work in our life. God is not going to leave us by ourselves. And, and we have a promise that he who began a good work will finish it at the day of Jesus Christ. He is doing a work in us. And we don't, so we don't have to look at just the parts of us that are, that are less important or, or, or the things that are less beautiful, the, less, the things that are less useful, whatever they may be, we can, look, we can look at what God is doing in our life and say, yes, God, yes, God, that is who I am. God is still working on you, and he is not finished. Amen? Amen. Number two, I want to encourage you to say yes to God. Say yes to him. The Bible tells us that we are called by God, and he tells us that he has fashioned us in a way to fit his plans and his purpose for our life. I love the fact that he qualifies us for the call. And listen, being called is not meaning that, that, that you have to be a pastor or something like that. We are called in the place that he has placed us. And he, is, and he has created us for good works. You know, the Bible tells us that the devil is an accuser. That word accuser is the word is, is, can be translated as category. And the devil, he categorizes us. And he, and he wants to label us. And he goes to the Father and he tells us, and he lists out all the things that we've done and say, listen, man, you know, you, know, you, know, you know, they've done this and they've done that. But the Bible tells us that in the court of God that we have an advocate. In fact, let me read it. It says here in 1 John chapter 2, verse 1, it says, My little children, I am writing these things to you so that you may not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. And, you know, usually your lawyer is sitting next to you. Or he's sitting somewhere in the courtroom. But in the courtroom of God is different. He's sitting next to God. There's no way we're losing in the court of God because, because our advocate is speaking to the Father and he's letting the Father know, listen, don't listen to him. I've already paid for it. I've already taken care of it. I've already covered him. And when he looks at us, he doesn't just see our sin. He sees our righteousness. Listen, he qualifies us for the call. And whatever it is that God has called you, listen, don't think that you are not qualified. And maybe if you feel like you're not, it's okay because we weren't before, but in Christ we are. Amen? All we have to do is say yes to him. Answer the call by saying yes to God. And then point number three. Live in a way that pleases him. We are called to live in a way that pleases God. If, we, if God is worthy of all he has done in our life, then we should be able to live in a way that pleases him. Colossians chapter 1 verse 10 says, Walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of of God. I love the fact that God, again, is working on the inside of us and that he gives us the desire to please him. 
But that is the very thing that we are called to do is to please God with our life. And we have to look at our life and say, you know what, God, I'm getting rid of this out of my life. And God, I'm going to live towards you. There's something about whenever we are, when we, when we allow God to, to, to come into our life and begin to work in us. And we allow him to speak to us. And we allow him to sanctify us through the word of God. And, we, and he begins to make us more like him. We are pleasing to him. And he also begins to work through us. Man, it's a beautiful thing that God does in our life. So I want to encourage you to allow God to work in you and through you. Listen, we are God's workmanship. We are his. And it's something that he did on our behalf and something that he alone gets all the glory for. Amen? Let's pray. Father God, we thank you, Lord, for what you are doing and what you have done in our life, Father. And God, I thank you, God, that you aren't finished. God, I thank you, God, that you are still working in us, Lord. And I thank you, God, that you're not leaving us on our own, but Holy Spirit, you are with us, Father. I pray, God, that we would continue, God, to walk out the truth of God that you have called us to, Father. But God, I thank you, Lord, God, that we are your masterpiece. God, that we are your workmanship, Lord. And God, I pray, Father, that God, that you would continue to fashion us in the way, God, that you have called us to be, Father. We thank you. We give you all the glory. In Jesus' name, if you believe that, say amen. Amen.